what's going on, everybody? This is The Burndown. I'm Justin. I'm Eric. Today's guest, real estate entrepreneur. The star of Flip This House, and I'm the undercover boss. Oh, yeah. This guy, this is going to be a good conversation. We have Mr. Armando Montalongo. Armando, thank you very much for joining us on The Burndown. What's going on, my friend? Thank you for having me. How you guys doing? Man, we're blessed. We're doing, uh, we're doing real well. I mean, nice. you can't very complain. Nice. You know, we're, we're sitting down with an entrepreneur. We talk about entrepreneurship and, and business mindset and stuff like that. So have someone in the flesh is very cool. And we, and we get to smoke a cigar, drink some scotch or bourbon. What's worse? Nice. I like it. So you guys look sharp. You guys look phenomenal, man. You look real good. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Thank we you. try. We, it's, it's half the battle, you know? It's, it's what we make up for, our, for the looks is the brains. <laughs> so we want to... We, we Dive right into the conversation. We got a lot of questions to ask you. First and foremost, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to join us here on the Burndown Podcast. Uh, but before we do, we got to light up cigars. We got to get the drinks flowing. Uh, right. So, what are you? Are you smoking? Are you drinking? What's what are you doing over there? Today, I uh, decided to bring a little Glenn Levitt into our life. So, a little Scotch single malt. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Love it, yeah. man. So what do we have? So we have... Yeah, so we're drinking. This was actually a, a birthday gift from a while ago. I, we've never had it. I've never had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Old Camp American Whiskey, American Blended Whiskey, a company called Old Camp. Uh, it was an unopened bottle sitting in the uh, in the liquor cabinet. I said, you know what? Let's break it out. Let's try it. And it's mm-hmm. actually not bad. We I put a little bit of lemon in there, or we put a little bit of lemon in there. Nice. Um, and then what we're smoking, we have... I'm not sure what kind of cigars you like, but today we have the Artoro Fuente Gran Reserva. So I don't know. Are you uh, so what what type of cigars you typically smoke? Are you familiar with Fuente? So I am a novice compared to you guys. That's why I didn't light up because you guys know way more about this than I do. So you know, I'm one of those guys. I smoke like celebratory cigars, right? And I'm saying this because my insurance might be watching, right? So, <laughs> right. So I, I smoke the celebratory cigars. Um, but you know, I do have amazing cigar stories, uh, for sure. Um, in doing that, but, um, so I don't, if you ask me to name it, you ask me to name real estate, I can do real estate. I can do business off my head cigars. I'm leaving that to you guys. You guys are the experts for sure, but I am a scotch guy for sure. I can go down the scotch path pretty deep. So what's so. your, what's your favorite scotch then? Is that right there? The Glenn Levitt? You know, I really like Balvin. Uh, this is a Glenn Levitt. And what's interesting about this particular bottle is, um, they don't put the year on it. But I can just tell by the pricing, it's probably like a 17, uh, it's probably a 17. And so I don't put the year anywhere on this particular bottle, but I went and bought it to be on the show with you guys. Um, And I will tell you, it's probably a 17, Uh, but it's really good. It's smooth. It's nice. So do they even have any label on there whatsoever? Is it just blacked out? Yeah, it's just blacked out, right? So normally, so like a lot of scotches will be 18-year-olds. Glenn Levitt is a 17-year-old, a 21-year-old. Um, but it's completely blacked out. It's not on the label. It's not on the box. It's anywhere. But just according to the pricing, it's probably about a 17. And according to the flavor, it's probably about 17. Yeah. So. Did, did they make a Glen Levitt 14 or a 12? 12. They do. I won't drink anything, personally, anything less than 17. So I used to do, so I do these like big raucous events, like bus tours. We call them bus tours. These big raucous real estate events. And my students are awesome. They'll bring me all sorts of scotch and whatnot, right? And they'll bring me like... 25 year old, 21 year old, 30 year old. But then some of them bring that like 12 year old scotch. And so I would go give it to some of the guys on the team, like 
dude, thank you so much. And they go back, thank you so much. And I'm like, that's fucking full year old shit, guys. Like, that's, <laughs> that's like the bottom of the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're welcome for, you know, the Strawberry Hill. There you go. <laughs> hey, if they if they love it, then more power to yeah. them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, guess any, I guess any free scotch or bourbon is always better than paying for it. Yeah, if it's free, it's yeah. for me. So let's, you know, let's... Let's dive right into this, right? We got a lot of questions we want to ask you. And I mean, the first first question right off the bat is everybody knows you're a big real estate guy, big real estate mm-hmm. entrepreneur, real estate mogul, real estate investor, right? Everything real estate. Like you said before, you could talk anything, anything and everything real estate. So sure. how did you get into real estate? Where did it all begin? Like, Take us all the way back to the beginning. So... um, about 20 years ago, I was living in Southern California, and my wife at the time gave birth to my son, Mondo Man, and the doctors literally cut her the wrong way, and she lost half the blood in her body in 20 minutes. And I remember looking at her, and her face is white, and her lips were blue, and literally I've seen people in caskets with more blood in their face, with more color in their face than she looked at she had at the moment. And they were going to wheel her off to the emergency room to do an emergency hysterectomy, and the doctor looks at and I said, you know, can you save her? He goes, Armando, he says, be prepared to say goodbye because your wife may not live past the next 24 hours. Wow. So they wheel her off to the emergency room. They bring her back and I'm there in the ICU with her. And about an hour in, a nurse comes running in and says, Mr. Montalongo, we have a problem. So you know there's a problem when you're in the intensive care unit and they tell you you have a bigger problem. And I go outside, she says, they just took your son, Mondo, by ambulance down to Children's of LA. So we lived in Upland, California, and Children's of LA is about an hour away. She says, they just took your son, Monty Man, down to Children's of LA. And I remember right then I had one of the toughest decisions in my life to make, right? And do I stay with my wife? Do I go to where my son's at? And I remember my father-in-law at the time, he just goes, he goes, Mondo, he goes, you go to your baby and I will be with ours. Right. And I remember just like bawling my eyes out. Yeah. So I drive down to Children's of LA and I go talk to his doctor and he says, here's, he goes, here's the problem, Armando. He goes, the average human has 300,000 platelets. So the platelets will help your blood coagulate. They prevent you from bleeding to death. He says, so if you, your son was to get cut the wrong way, or if we bumped his head, he says, or heaven forbid, if he just cries too hard, he could bleed to death in a matter of minutes because your son only has 8,000 platelets. Wow. 8,000? 8,000 when the average healthy like human has 300,000 he says he goes be prepared to say goodbye your son Monoman may not live past the next 24 hours so here I am I'm told me the exact same day that the two people that I love the most in this world may not live past another day so they both go into their like respective intensive care units and I spent the next two and a half months driving from one hospital to the next and I, I didn't have any money at that time right I tried selling cars like and I was the worst car salesman in the world. I was, I, was too, I was too honest, right? I remember one time this guy comes on the lot and he goes, Armando, he goes, can I borrow this car cheaper somewhere else? And I go, probably. <laughs> so my manager saw me, he fired me, right? Um, and I tell you, it, it was interesting because I didn't have any money at that time. We had a little condominium number in California. They spent the next two and a half months in the, in the, in the uh, hospital. Then I spent the next six months nursing them back to health and I lost the condo we were foreclosed on. So all of a sudden I was, I was $50,000 in debt. I was foreclosed on. I had a 501 credit score 
and I was living in my in-laws garage and we were on food stamps, right? Which is also known as the perfect formula for success, right? (laughs) Being there, I'm going to tell you, like, it was my own personal hell. So people, when they're like, well, you sell motivation, you sell real estate, or you you teach people how to do this, why don't you do all the real estate yourself? Well, I do a lot of real estate, but I'll tell you that once you live in that own personal hell, you realize that, so here's here's the thing, rich people were taken care of. Poor people, they're taken care of by the government. But it's the people right in the middle who live in their own personal hell because they know they have more in them. They know they want to go higher, but they have this mental block going, fuck, I know I can be better. I know I can go higher, right? but I don't know how to get there. And that's what I felt. Even though I was actually pretty damn poor at the time, I was like, I'm going to help people get out of that place if I ever, if I ever learn how to do it myself, right? Right. So I met a man who was worth about $100 million. He's passed away by now. He's passed away now. He's worth about $100 million as a developer. Taught me how to do real estate. But he told me I had to go to Texas to learn real estate, to, to do the real estate, right? So I go to Texas. So the tagline on our TV show that we had called Columbus House was, I, I rolled into town on my last tank of gas. And it was true. I, we literally rolled into town on our last tank of gas. Um, we were out, outside of San Antonio, something called Hill Country. I live in San Antonio, Texas now, something called Hill Country. And I remember putting that truck in neutral and coasting into town on our last day of gas. Wow. And then I started doing real estate. And back then there was big mold scare. So houses were depreciating by 40% overnight because there was mold problems. And I called my mentor and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you told me to move to Texas. And houses are like falling and crashing by 40%. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that is the opportunity. He's like, that is the opportunity. So... I went and made a million bucks my first year. I made a million dollars my first year. I made three million in three years. In year five, A&E came to us with a television show, Flip This House. And that was the first house flipping show that was out there. And we did it for four seasons and it was um, it was incredible. It was fun. Uh, the, our ratings actually were like higher than CNN's like weekly ratings. I mean, wow. were, the ratings were through the fucking roof. Wow. And it was great. It was, it was tremendous. And so that's what, so nobody really did like a lot of house flipping back then. Back then, if you're flipping houses, you're a bottom of the barrel scavenger. You're like taking grandma's house from her. Like you're the worst. <laughs> of the world, right? you know? So like you're a total bottom feeder. So here's what we did to change it. It's kind of funny. We started doing the TV show, right? Well, like you have to understand, like I had been married then for like five or six years. Uh, we're doing the TV show. We're going to, it's about two weeks until the TV show starts. We got the green light for the TV show, the film coming crews coming in. And I remember one time this guy, um, his name is Momar comes into our office, right? And Momar is like an average looking guy. I would say, and if a, if a, if a, if a guy's good looking, I was like, that's a good looking dude, right? But there's not a lot of those. And so I was like, that's, I was like, like you two, you guys are handsome guys. Not a lot of fucking handsome guys. <sighs> yes. Ah, I was, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you guys would agree with that, right? So, but, but, but here's the thing. I, wa- I was watching all the fucking women in my office. They like stare at this guy, right? And they're staring. I'm like, where the fuck's everyone staring at this Momar guy for? And Momar's got like this long sleeve shirt on, like sleeves rolled up. He's walking on with sunglasses on and he's got like these rock, like rock star boots on, right? And I'm looking at myself, I got like khakis. I got fucking penny loafers. I got like accountant glasses on that I'm like, all the girls are looking at this fucking guy, right? So two weeks later, the TV show starts. So I show up with long sleeve shirts with it rolled up, dark sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, house flipping became very, very cool. 
right? And so now it's a mainstream business. And like even um, Sachs, or not Sachs, Gold, Goldman Sachs will go and loan money to house flippers now because it's a viable business. As yeah. to where back then it wasn't a viable business. So that's how I really got certain business. And that's crazy because my fiance's father was a huge, he's into real estate and he's a he was a huge fan and he, he followed you on Instagram and that's, and that's how we got connected originally. Cause he was like, Hey, I follow this guy Armando. He's really big into, you know, I see him smoking cigars all the time. You should have on your podcast. And I was like, huh? I was like, that's a, that's a good idea. Awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, absolutely. And, and we always talk about the, the power of social media and how it brings people together. So it's just really cool to see point A to point B. And, um, we, I watched I watched some of the shows on, or at least the, the clips on YouTube. I mean, that I was able to watch. I watched the, mm-hmm. I watched the Flipping Nightmare. It's like, yep. uh, and that that was an interesting episode. He had, you have like an engineer who thought he could flip houses, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. you can think you can flip houses. Sometimes I impress even myself. What the hell are you doing? Your f-ing job. And he puts him into a house and says, "This is my budget. This is what you got to do. This is the timeline. If you can do it." You, you know, I'll give you all the money. If not, you get fired. You got to figure it out. Yeah, you got to figure it out. And it was just, a, again, it was just a cool learning experience to see, you know, like not everything is shiny and, and pretty up front. There's a lot of grunt work. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the shininess. So it was a cool, it was a cool way to see it come full circle. Yeah, it was fun. It, it, it was, doing TV shows great. It was amazing. Amazing. So do you remember, so you said your first year in real estate, you made a million dollars. Yes. Then your second year, you said you made three million, and then by your third third year, you were. Uh, I made a million, a million, a million. So by in three years, I made about three million dollars. Okay. So yeah. do you wow. remember what your first ever real estate deal was? I do. Um, was it good or was it bad? Yeah. Was it good or bad? No, it was it was good. I made thirty four grand on it. Right. So I went to it. I was like, I'm not. You know, here's the thing. Every all over social media, you're you're, you're like. Do what you love. Do what you love. That's what all you hear is do what you love. Do what you love, right? Well, I didn't love real estate. I didn't know if I was going to like it, right? So I do this first deal. Um, first deal I did is on a street called Abbotswood. I ended up buying two other houses there over time on that same street. And I remember I made $34,000 on it. Um, how I got the lender is a completely other <laughs> additional crazy fucking story, right? But... <laughs> Well, we but got the time, so we would love to hear that after you talk about the first deal. <laughs> I'll tell you. So what's, well, here's what's funny. I was going around looking for houses, and I didn't know how to find them, right, at the time. I, was in a, I had a mentor, told me a lot of things what to do, but I didn't know how to find a good deal. The realtors didn't know how to find good deals at the time. Um, a lot of them still don't really know how to decipher a foreclosure from a good deal, right? So I started talking to lawyers who sued insurance companies for people whose houses had flooded or had fire or had mold. Okay. And the lawyers are like, well, are you a real estate expert? I'm like, um, yes. They're like, well, what qualifies you? Are you a realtor? I said, nope. Are you a broker? Nope. Are you an appraiser? No. Are you an inspector? (laughs) Nope. They're like, well, what qualifies you? I said, well, the value of anything is what somebody will pay for it. And no one else will buy these mold invested houses. So I'll buy them. What I buy stay establishes a baseline for your lawsuit because it's going to be less than the market value of the house. And I'll come in as an expert witness showing why I buy that for that much. And I'll do it for free. And they're like, sold. Yeah, done. <laughs> right? The free, the free part's the one that got up, right? Yeah. Like, cool, right? So I found an opposing lawyer who's going against my lawyer. 
this guy was such a shark, right? He was such, he was guy, I could tell this guy was about money. So I called him one day and I said, hey, I'm working on the other side of this case. I don't know if you can talk to me, but um, I'd like to see if you'd like to go have a drink at a local establishment where gentlemen like to hang out. And he goes, um, okay. He says, yeah, I'd love to. So we go to a local strip club. <laughs> I love how I knew, that, I knew, I knew that was where I was going. <laughs> so I buy, him, I buy him drinks. And I told him, hey, if you loan me money on this, I'll split it 50-50. He goes, like, how much are you going to make? How much are we going to make? I, think we can, I said, I think we can make total 60 or 70 grand on it. He goes, I can't make the fucking money being a lawyer. So he knew how to put all the paperwork together. Of which then I copied his paperwork. So now, now I know how all the legal paperwork works, right? Yeah. He puts up the money. He makes 34 grand. I make 34 grand. And like I said, everyone says, do what you love in, in business. And I didn't know if I was going to love real estate, but I'll, I'll tell you this much. I got that first, like I got the first $34,000 check. Suddenly I was in love with real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it every since. Yeah. So that was my first deal I did. Wow. wow 34 grand. Your first, and that's, and that's, I don't, I mean, I'm not in real estate. I know you, you're in real estate a little bit, but is, I don't know, is that common? Like, I always, I feel like it's uncommon for somebody to make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on their first real estate deal. I mean, I think it depends, right? So if a person, if you know what you're doing, if you're coached well, if you're coached the process, you can make a lot of money on it. If you're not coached, you can lose a lot of money on it, right? So um, I was well coached the process. You know, I was well mentored through it, so I made I made a lot of money. But I, I see a lot of people who jump in the business and they lose money because they're not well coached or they're not well mentored through the process. I mean, it's like this, right? So if I want to learn about cigars, I'm going to go ask you guys. I'm going to go ask you guys. Hey, what are the best? Why are they the best? Right? What's the price associated with them? Where the, where are those leaves grown? Right? Um, uh, and then I'm going to go learn everything about cigars from somebody who knows way more about those than I do. So, like, for instance, I just started cannabis seminars. We started doing because because I've really grown into more of an educator than anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Ask a real estate investor. But I don't even smoke weed. And we tell our students, I don't smoke weed. You know, they're like, well, how can you teach this stuff? I said, because I hired master growers to teach me how to grow it much more effectively and efficiently than you guys do. Yeah. I said, and then I put my ability to put business systems together to be able to grow it cheaper, faster, higher bud yield. So now we have seminars that we're filling up. We're filling up seminars like insanely because we are able to take what's best from multiple sources and then systemize it, right? So the same thing if they were going to go flip a house, if they just go ask their uncle who's like flipped two houses and he lost 10 grand and he made 10 grand, that's probably going to be the results. Right. right? Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I bought. 400 houses in a single year, many, 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 excuse me, many years in a row, right? Four houses, hundred houses in a single year, many years in a row. So I like, I kind of know what I'm doing, right? There's no, there's no more guesswork in it. Right. Yeah. It yeah. kind of uh, reminds me of, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before of, um, never take advice from somebody that you wouldn't trade places with in whatever the respective yeah. field yeah. that you're asking advice for, right? Like never take advice from somebody about real estate if you wouldn't trade, trade places, places with them in real estate investing. Yeah, because because yeah. uh, there's like there's always this one saying, and I want to know if you agree to it because it kind of sounds like it's what you do. But they say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So it sounds like you're the average of a lot of different people because it sounds like real estate people are. Right, I'm going to surround myself with the five best people, and I'm going to accumulate all the knowledge from them. Cannabis, I'm going to you know surround myself with the five best cannabis people. Yep. 
and get knowledge from them. Is that is that type of the scenario? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very very true, right? I think it's very true. And the other the other part of that, I'll, I'll do a, just a touch of a spin on what you said was, I only take advice financially for somebody who's makes five times more money than I do. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, but we are the sum total of our five closest associates. We are. I mean, if you look at our financial totals, that's where we are. And by the way, if you make more than your your associates, like they're eventually going to bring you down. Like they're eventually going to bring you down. Right. Uh, so you have to constantly be striving to like to look for additional people to like. You don't have to be best friends with them, but to learn and to grow. But the key is not just look what you can take. You have to look at giving somebody who's at a higher position than you, like giving them something that's going to matter to them as well. There's a lot of people who are up high who will give for the sake of giving back. There's a lot of people that used to be like, nobody used to believe that, but now people are understanding that. Right. But you like, and be able to induce them by also being willing to give, not just to take, right? Whether, and who knows what it is to give I me, mean, you know, maybe you're a good soccer coach, help their kids become a better soccer player, right? Something that really matters to them. Don't look at just gleaning information. Look at what you can do to go contribute because people who are wealthy are so used to individuals taking, right? And not saying thank you, taking and not giving back. That person does that minor thing, right? That minor thing, mean, it means the world to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're firm believers of, of generosity is like is the key to life is you have to give more to this world than you take from it. And yeah. we firm believers that if you do that, you'll be a success in yeah. in whatever whatever your industry is. If you bring more to the table than you take from the table, you're going to be a success no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Because people remember people remember the people that give more than they take more. Yeah, and it's it's very true to what you say because I've seen it myself. Because I'm the type of person that will go the extra mile to kind of. You know, make them remember me. Do something a little bit extra to to go the extra mile to say, you know what, Eric did that little thing for me. That was the right, you know, that was the right thing to do. Or Eric helped me out do this, and that's how I kind of been my whole life. I've always been willing to give more, whether it's helping a friend move or helping a friend give advice. But people always come to me for that one particular thing. And like like Justin said, I, I do like to give more than I like to receive. Once you receive stuff, yeah, it's cool. You know, oh yeah, it's a it's a benefit, yeah. but. I do get more joy than giving than taking for sure. Yeah, there's actually a book that I read called The Go Giver, and it's a yes. You've read that book, yeah. So they talk about uh, it's about a guy who's I think he's in the sales world and he's trying to figure out like how do I like how do I get sales? How do I win? How do I get the sale? And he and he there's five different steps. I believe there's five, but they talk about the guy will go step one. He's like you got to talks about giving, Mm -hmm. and it's certain aspects but the whole point is giving and the guy's like what do you mean like if i'm gonna give this sale how am i gonna make money yeah he's like just trust me and then he goes to the next step he's like another give scenario he's like but if i'm always just giving my stuff how am i gonna and he doesn't understand he's like just keep giving keep giving keep giving and then at the end he finally realizes that all of these things that he's giving yeah. lead to this one thing that rewards him and but it's a good book but they always talk about that yeah you have to give more than you than you take yeah so i mean so be so being on the topic of a mindset right so you obviously are an entrepreneur so if there's someone that's watching or listening that's trying to it's young and wants to be an entrepreneur you know obviously we're giving them one tip hey you know, give more than you take but for someone who can who would come to you and say hey i'm looking to be an entrepreneur i'm 20 years old you know what's like the first solid piece of advice you would give someone um i got a lot of fucking advice um <laughs> We'll spill it out. We'd let... 
Like I said, you we know. got the time, man. We uh, unless unless you have to have some place to go, we got all the time in the world to talk to you. No, I'm 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 kind of like semi-retired, right? So um, the um, I don't know. I do know. I have a lot of thoughts on this, right? So first of all, don't believe everything you read on social media, right? Yes. I would filter out ninety percent of the financial. I would filter out ninety percent of the financial advice. The other day, I saw something. You know, somebody put you know words of encouragement from Heath Ledger. He fucking committed suicide. Like that's completely stupid to to go and to like, oh, I'm going to listen to words of encouragement on top of a Heath Ledger picture, right? Because on the on the scale of psychology, on a pain level, his personal pain was a hundred. Okay, and so long term, you're not going to be successful. Your personal pain is a hundred. All right, so you have to be very careful of the, like the foolishness that's out there. All right, number two, consistency is going to override massive amounts of action in any given day. Okay. So being consistent, I had this conversation with, we have, we have large call centers. We have call centers here in the States. We have call centers in America. Right. So, I, I mean, I say I'm, I'm semi-retired. It's just, I'm, it's a beautiful point is this. We hear all the time, hustle work, hustle work, we're hustle. I guarantee you most of the people who listen to this podcast work a lot more hours than I do. I guarantee you that most of them work a lot more hours. But the hours that I work are highly productive and they're only income based. They're not bullshit based, they're income based. Like if I'm going to go into a meeting, it's going to produce a financial result. Okay. So um, I was talking to some people in our call centers today. Uh, one of the leaders of the call center, and he's like, Man, we're overwhelmed because we have so many people who are calling in. We don't know what to organize. So that's because you guys are looking at everything. You're looking at A to Z that you have to do. What is A and B? Like, right. what's the most productive thing what's the most important thing to do he's like well we have to do this okay what's the next most important thing he goes this i said do those two things do those two things until you have them down in a rhythm and then do c and d and once you have c and d down in the rhythm you're going to find out that e through like l will begin to fall in place yes yeah or they don't so, even matter <laughs> and so what happened let me tell you the, the financial increase so i had that conversation with him today but i said we did this last week with our numbers, I said, look at your numbers. What's the difference in a one-week turnaround? He says 11%. 11% turnaround in a single week. That's a 1% turnaround a week is massive productivity. That's a, that's a 52%. Actually, it's not 52%. Compounding, compounding, it would be well over 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you did 11% in a single week, right? So consistency and being able to create habits. Okay. So I, I, I hate doing the same thing every day. My days don't look the same. Right. So, but also creates a shitload of scatter. Does that make sense? Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. But there's components of my day that, the, that I've trained myself to do exactly the same. It's the kind of like, it's kind of like Steve jobs. He always wore a black shirt. Why? So we didn't have to put in your brain power into stuff. So it's the same thing with what you eat and what the times that you wake up. Like, like I have a very like specific habit for waking up, shower, eat on and on. And what that does is I don't have to put any work into that whatsoever. So my brain's fresh to work um, on what's going to be the most productive. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Most definitely. Absolutely. The other thing is you need to do things that are going to build self-confidence that are outside of business. All right? Meaning um, for 15, 16 years, I was all about work, 24 hours a day. It was not uncommon for me to call people in my office on Sunday at like 8 p.m. and says, we're flying out tomorrow at 6 a.m. Be ready to go just to fuck with them, just to see if they were game, see if they were ready to go. Right. 
to like separate the weak from the strong. The problem is that doesn't work for everybody. That works for a very small percentage of the population. Okay. So look for things that you can accomplish outside of work to build your self-esteem because business is all about self-confidence and self-esteem. It is all about self-esteem. So if I had to go start a brand new business today, I would have all the confidence in the world that I can start it because I've built up success over the years and success comes from like six of all self-esteem comes from a success. Does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. So I would, I would literally, besides listening to your guys' podcast and your social media platforms, I would fucking shut off social media most of the time. Right. So like legit. Well, we appreciate you listening to ours. Thank you. (laughs) Good Good stuff. Well, you're talking about good, positive content, right? Talking about good, good, it's good, positive content. We're talking real business, but, um, what here's what's happening people are having a diminished amount of focus nowadays people's focus time is absolutely directly related to their screen time mm-hmm. right so their diminished ability to focus so if they just cut down their screen time a little bit they'll be able to focus so much more that's not going to be a popular message that i have but i, I that's never been my concern is uh, being popular my concern is results right getting people amazing results so mm-hmm. you want to be rich cut down your screen time yeah, that's right. definitely something I because we, we had talked about too is is like if it weren't for the burndown podcast, if it weren't for us trying to grow our business, we wouldn't even be on social media. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. The only and we talk about too is where sometimes, you know, I catch myself, I'm on social media and I'm, you know, I'm I'm comments, I'm doing stuff, and it almost feels like I'm getting lost in social media, but then I remind myself, no, there's I'm a reason. I, there's a reason I'm on here. I'm not just scrolling through and wasting time. I'm like, I'm commenting, I'm reaching out, I'm following new people. I'm posting stuff for the, like, I'm always intentional when I'm on right. the platform. I'm not just sitting there. Yeah. Occasionally I might be like scrolling through a little, but sure. most of the time the it's, point of it. it's focused, but that's because we have a social platform. If it wasn't for this business, we wouldn't even yeah. be on social media. I mean, and then stop focusing on like, what do you like? The other problem is people have is like, I have to do what I love. That's a fucking terrible message. If it don't okay. make you money, then it's certainly going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make you money, right? I've heard, I don't know who said this one time, but if your example is you want to grow a tomato, I think it was Mark Cuban, you may love growing tomatoes, but that market's cornered, right? You need to find a problem and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Absolutely. Find, find that problem and solve the problem. So I made, I made half a billion dollars solving the house flipping problem. So when there was no one teaching house flipping, there were people taught like lease options, people taught rentals. I was on stage one time in like 2010 or 2011 with like Rich Dad Poor Dad, like Robert Kiyosaki, which everyone thinks he's like great, but I don't actually particularly think he's that great. Okay. First of all, from what I understand in the industry, like the guy who doesn't write his own books. Okay. And everyone like, like he has a cult following. Yeah. But he goes and says, he goes and says, house flipping, you can't do house flipping, do rentals. Okay. Well, why he's saying that I'm going and I'm stealing all his employees to come work for me. And his company, was, his, his house flipping company was on the verge of bankruptcy or bankruptcy or learning two to three times during the time since I've been in business teaching. So you would take his employees? Is that what you said? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I like that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I took Trump's employees. I took Kiyosaki's employees. Okay. To come work for me. And what happened is he missed, he missed the call. He missed the ball. Right. They were teaching lease options. They were teaching. Um, they were teaching um, 
rentals and he says you can't don't do house flipping you need to focus needs to be on rentals but why why focus on rentals? like why because they don't know how to teach house flipping no one had systemized that process before so i started teaching house flipping then after i did that you had companies come in and like people like kiyosaki or flipper flop or all those other people flipping vegas but by that time i'd already made half a billion dollars because we solved a problem. Does yeah, that make right. sense? Uh, okay. no, I like that yeah. where you say that, where you say it's not, it's, you know, doing something, you know, it's great to do something that you love, but at the end of the day, you have to make money. You got to, right? You and if doing what you love money. is not making you money, then how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to support your family? How are you going to do the things that you want to do? At the end of the day, you have to make money, mm-hmm. okay. right? Everybody like, said, like, money to... rules the world. I'm sorry, it does. <laughs> if you don't love what you do, like, so let's, I love educating people. I love being on stage. I love educating people. Our seminars are raucous. I will tell you this much. I, and I promise you this. When I'm on stage, um, you will not find a more entertaining speaker because the shit that comes out of my mouth, I would be cancel cultured and Pete non PC and everything else. <laughs> and I will never stop because it's who I am, right? Because I speak the truth and I tell it how it is, right? But here's the thing. The, let's pretend I didn't love it. I love my vacations. I love my house. I love my cars. I love the life I provide for my children, right? So even if I didn't love my job, I love all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So you'll grow to love that company if it gives you the lifestyle that you love. So stop, because here's the reality is you're going to love multiple things in business. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to love multiple things. And even if you're good at multiple things, you got to peel off that and find one thing. Stop looking at like the Elon Musk of the world who is beyond brilliant. And stop looking at the Jeff Bezos of the world. Jeff Bezos went and did books for 10 years and then he split off doing other things. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at the Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk did one massive thing at a time, became successful, sold it. One massive thing at a time, became successful, sold it. One massive thing at a time, right? And then he broke off to do, doing two things. So stop chasing like multiple balls. Go focus on one thing, make a ton of money at it. And then you can look at diversifying once you have a team. Yeah. But you're going to love multiple things. So stop chasing what you love because you're going to be fucking confused. Like I used to be like, do I want to do a re- I literally, this is a true story. When I was like 20, I was like, do I want to do a reality show or do I want to do seminars? Do I want to do a reality show or do I want to do seminars? Do I want-? And I couldn't decide because reality shows, you have to be like wild and imperfect. Seminars, you had to be perfect. So I just worked on my real estate business. If I just worked on my real estate business, then the reality show came. When the reality show came, I go, I told my team, I said, we're going to make $100 million or we're going to go broke, dying, broke trying. And this was before... This was before 50 Cent came out with his movie, Get Rich or Die Trying. Right? <laughs> so I said, I said, we're going to make a hundred million bucks or we're going to like go broke trying. So the, so I did the reality show. I didn't try to look perfect. And like I showed my imperfections. And then when we did seminars, we showed our imperfections versus trying to be the perfect guy on them. And people, that resonated with people, right? Mm-hmm. So I focused on making the money, which was in real estate. And then the passions came. Oh yeah, and I feel like it's kind. Of, you brought up a good point where you're saying you're like, do I do, um, you know, do I do the real estate? Do I do the or, or reality or the seminars? Reality or the seminars? Reality or seminars? I feel like so many people, like you said, they have multiple things and they're trying to make a decision. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? Do I do that? And they spend so much time trying to make the decision of which one to go after. It's like just fucking pick one, go after it, make the money, and then you can, you know, if that doesn't work, all right, now you can go back and do the other one. Like, but. Stop wasting so much time trying to pick the perfect freaking thing. It's yeah. never going to be perfect. And I don't pick think something, go for it. Even if you do what you love, you're going to wake up days and be miserable. 
Absolutely. Oh, no you got to take the shit. You got to take I think, the shit. I think the big thing today, at least in our age, is with the social media, everyone sees instant gratification. People, like, we're, we're millennials, right? We're kind of on the end spectrum. I, by the way, I hate being called that because I, I, I don't associate I don't with associate with it. But well, like, what is the word you hate being called? Millennial. You're a, we're, okay, we're, okay, yeah. we're millennials. Yeah, technically we're born like, that, you guys I don't hate wanna, it. You I guys don't want to work hard, yada, yada, yada. I and hate like, it because I am not a millennial at all. <laughs> and I, I, I'm the complete – I like to think I'm the complete opposite because mm-hmm. people today in age – they want instant gratification. They get everything on their phone. They see on Instagram, make a million dollars by doing this. And they're like, oh, let me spend $50,000 on learn how to make a million dollars. And it goes away. And it's like, you're missing the point. You're trying to take the easy route mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, going through the long route, which you will be more substantially better because you learn as you go. And like you said, you want to focus on one thing. There's so many different things out there. People are like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And they suck at this, this, and this. They can be really good at one thing. And that one thing, like you said, will lead them to other avenues. There's a great book out there by Herb Keller called The One Thing. It's a fuck, It's a great book. It's a life changer for somebody who applies it. It's called The One Thing by Herb Keller. I'm going to write He's it down book. right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? We're going to get so it. He owns um, Keller Williams. Oh, okay. It's a great book. One Thing. The One it's Thing called. by Herb Keller? Yeah. The One Thing. It's a black and white book. It's real good. I like it. It'll kind of get you focused and honed in on, on life and your business, right? And, and by the way, you can do multiple things, but you're, you got to have your big one thing that you do. Yeah. Right? So, I, listen, I, I've made the mistake of chasing, my, like, I've chased multiple businesses, right? And I've had the pleasure of being successful at many businesses. I've also failed at businesses because I've chased too many businesses when I'm really good at essentially, like, one thing. Okay. So when I did real estate and all I did was real estate, I made a lot of money, right? When I did mold remediation, all I did was mold remediation, a lot of money, I made a lot of money. But when, and when I did seminars, when I, I didn't, all I do is seminars, I got a bunch of real estate investments, but I made a bunch of money in seminars. But then I started fucking doing movies and comic cons and all this other stuff. Cause I was like, oh man, I got the magic touch, right? Cause you, we begin to, we, we begin to go out there and like really delude ourselves and believe that we're that good. And the reality is your focus and attention can only go so far unless you have killer teams underneath you, mm-hmm. right? And unless you have killer teams underneath you, you're not going to be able to go and run multiple businesses highly effectively. So now I can run several businesses, but I have great teams, but I've been doing this thing now for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? So it's not going to be something that you're going to be able to go and do right away. Like just focus on one thing, make a ton of money doing it and by the way let me just solve this big question for people like is it worth it okay so the answer is if you knew how much work it take like if you know how much work it took you wouldn't do it but being on the other side of it it is worth having a ton of money is worth anything that it's it's worth it all yeah oh absolutely yeah there's there's a quote from i'm not sure if you know ever heard of andy frisella but he's a podcast i listen to um, he's the CEO of First Form, and there's something that always stuck with me. He said, "Typically, the thing that's holding you back is something good on the other side, because a lot of people see, like you said, they see all the work that goes into it, and they, you know, you know what? I'm just gonna stick to what I'm doing. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to put all that work in. I'm kind of content and comfortable. But if you were to put that work in, do the grind every single day, do the the monuous behaviors, you're gonna get to that point when you'd be like, you know what?" I look back and I'm glad I did it because this is where it brought me today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to do all the non-sexy stuff 
to have the sexy life. Yes. And it's and it's and it's funny you say that because we were just talking about the story that I met with another I met I coincidentally met a very multi million dollar entrepreneur yesterday in New York City who develops a lot of buildings. And he was telling me a story about he at when he started as a young guy, he says, I asked who I was working with, what is their secret to success? And he was telling me a story and he's like, Well, my secret to success is I deal with a lot of shit. I just deal with shit. I deal with it all day. And I go, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, I wake up in the morning. My wife gives me shit. I go to my businesses, my employees, my customers. They give me shit. I figure it out. I come home. My kids, they want more than they can, I can give them. They give me shit. But I figure it all out and I take all the shit up front. And that's what gives me my life today. And that's what makes me successful. So I don't know if that, that resonates with you, that you deal with a lot of shit. But it kind of made sense to me. That's spoken like a true New Yorker. Um, <laughs> you know what? I understand where he's coming from. I completely disagree with the wife giving me shit thing. Right now, I'm not. I should never do a, a marriage seminar because I've been divorced twice. But I absolutely would not deal or stay married to someone who gives me shit. I just wouldn't do it. Right? Um, there's life's too short, and there's too many beautiful, amazing women to like stay married to someone who gives you shit, whether yeah. you have kids or not. I just will never do it. Right? Agreed. I won't do it today. I won't do it. I won't do it if I'm 100 years old, right? No, I, yeah, I um, totally, we totally, totally in agreement there. Yeah, in a million years, I would never do it, right? Um, your customers are going to tell you what they need, right? So I have a little bit, that's a very New York attitude, right? But I think what he's really trying to say is I handle the business that's got to get handled. Right. Right? Right. I, I do the hard stuff. Um, I don't procrastinate, right? And so for the young entrepreneurs who are watching this, the stuff you don't want to do is probably the stuff that's going to be the most impactful for your business. Yep. And by the way, if you're trying to figure out what's most productive for your business, normally that's the stuff you don't want to do. And here's why, just from a, a psychological point of view, Greg, because I'm super huge. I, I, I don't think I made my money in real estate or seminars or cannabis. I, think I, made, I made my money in psychology and understand the psychology first of myself and then the people that I do business with. Okay. So being able to go and master your own psychology is the key to, to making a lot of a tremendous amount of wealth. That is the key to it. Some people do it accidentally and some people do it on purpose. All right. But if you're trying to figure out what's most productive, first of all, being busy, you'll be poor. Second of all, being productive, you'll be rich. All right. Mm -hmm. Third of all, how do you identify what you're, how, how to be productive? It's doing what you least want to do. The reason is, is because all the stuff you know how to do, you've already done over and over and over. So you know how to do it well, right? So pick up, you can pick up, I can pick up a glass and I can have a drink and not even think I had a drink because I've done it my whole life, right? However, what's it like the first time you're gonna go light a cigar? The first time like you're lighting a cigar, what are you like, well, what the fuck, what, what in? Oh, that's the wrong end, oh, okay, like this? <laughs> yeah, like that, right? And you're trying to light it and you're like, you're going, no, light it, hold it out here, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> It's fucking confusing, right? You're like, why is it confusing? Because it's the first time you've done it. So what do most people do? They avoid it. But somebody who's been smoking for 15 years, let's say cigarettes, they're just, what do they do? They go, uh, 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 right? And they just go as of nothing. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. So what's going to make you the most money in business? It's the stuff you haven't done yet. So we naturally, it doesn't mean you're a procrastinator. It doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean you're fucking lazy. It just means your brain hasn't kicked in that habit. It hasn't built that muscle yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have all, it's like if you're, if you're lifting weights, the first time you go lift weights, you're going to be like, 
for about two yep. months. And after two months, you're like, yep. you're not muscular, but you're like, why? Because all your small twitch muscles have kicked in. Same thing in business. You're not fucking lazy. You're not a procrastinator. You're not a loser. You just haven't built the muscle for something brand new. By the way, just to let you know, I fucking hate doing brand new things. Okay. But I understand that that's what's going to make me the most money. So I attack it. Number one, early in the morning with a clear mind. I don't do it at the end of the day. Right. And I attack it in a place that I'm familiar with. And you've got to understand the psychology of it. If I'm going to do something brand new, I attack it right here because this is my war zone. This is where I'm familiar. So the chair is familiar. My cup of coffee in the morning is familiar. My water over here is familiar. Right. My computer setup is familiar. My music's familiar. It's a familiar. So everything's familiar except for that new fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Like my that. brain goes, oh, I know how to go and win that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's so I set up smart. nine out of 10. I set up nine out of 10 like sensor points to win because number 10, I don't want to do it. So I set up every other part to win and then I attack it in a common familiar place. Now, I, I, I love that because I, I think that this, the, same, the same way is if, you know, the things that you don't want to do are the things that you have to do. And I, like I said, you make your surroundings, you make yourself feel comfortable so that everything else is taken care of so that you can focus on this one thing. And it's kind of like what I used to do when I was in, when I was in school is on test day, I used to get like dress up. Mm-hmm. I used to dress up because it would make me feel confident, feel good. Yeah. So that when I would go, I would already be feeling confident, feeling like a million bucks I can tackle this thing. It's the same thing. Like if I'm doing whatever it is, I'm gonna every I'm gonna get dressed. I'm gonna dress nice. I'm gonna have a cigar, have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Now I can because now I feel comfortable. comfortable I feel yeah. confident and I can attack this. And it's somebody else that said, I forgot who said it, but they said something, uh, said, embrace the suck. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Was, he said, embrace the Matt suck. Ryan. And I love it because it says, if you've never done something before, you're going to suck at it. No matter what it is, the first yeah. time you do it, you're going to suck. It's like, embrace it. Because obviously you've never done it before. You don't know how to do it, but you have to embrace the fact that you're going to suck. You might fail at it, but just keep doing it. Because like you said, you haven't built up the muscles, the same thing with the gym. You're not going to go into the gym before you never touched weight before. You're not going to squat 315 pounds. It's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're some freak of nature, like Arnold built like a Greek god already. You're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But you have to start with start light, start air squats. Then you put a plate on. Then you can slowly build it up, and eventually you can do it. You can squat it. Well, that's what we always say. So Anthony, Rob- Anthony Robbins calls that, he calls that an anchor, right? You dress up, you have your cigar, your coffee. Those are anchors, right? And you get positive and negative. That's an anchor, right? Which is, by the way, Anthony Robbins is absolutely amazing, right? Oh, absolutely, he's, yeah. He's got the real stuff right there. And also, what happens is it creates this law of familiarity, okay? So one of the things that if you expand upon the anchor position, the way to go out there and do this is, not, is to create this familiarity. So you're doing something brand new, a new business meeting, um, like you have to analyze something you haven't analyzed before, but you make everything around you so let me teach you the, if I can, may I share the difference with absolutely, you? Absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, so like the room behind me, that's my that's my bedroom, right? So I used to live in a garage. And so I built my walk-in closet on the side of the house over there that was the size of the garage I used to live in, right? That's an, that's, that's an anchor. That's a bedroom. So when I look in the rear view mirror, I'm like, oh, that's a fucking, I got a fucking living room in my bedroom. That's kind of bad. That's an anchor. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I do the anchor, but then I create the familiarity. And so the chair 
and the the um, Zoom and uh, like uh, my coffee and like what you're saying, the dress up, you know, that creates familiarity. So that creates a habit. So my brain goes, I don't have to figure anything else out other than one thing. Mm-hmm. And all I have to figure out is what this new thing is I'm going to attack. Because I'll tell you, I, I'm, I, I'm the worst procrastinator unless I do that. There are no like, oh, I don't like to procrastinate. It's just, oh, I, I never procrastinate. I, I procrastinate now. Everyone does. If they say they a, don't, they do. Everybody does. A terrible problem with it. So I started studying the science of how to get past procrastination. How do I get past doing shit I don't want to do? Because it matters because it's that important. So that's how I kind of came over. And I hope that helps like your young listeners who are listening to this stuff, right? Because if somebody's listening to you guys, it's, they, it's not because they want to smoke cigars. They want to become successful. You know, and it's both, right? Because what a cigar, what a so what a cigars like celebratory, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're an anchor of success, right? Yep. They're a way to relax. So I like, and, and I am to tell you the truth, I am going to go, and I think it's probably because your show. So I went to when I went to the liquor store to go buy this. I went, I bought me a cigar. Now, if you ask me what kind of cigar I bought, I'm like, I don't have the name of it, right? <laughs> um, and I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of you guys, and I never get embarrassed. No, trying never. Trying to pretend to keep up with you guys, right? So, um. But anyways, um, yeah, but that's how I kind of get past the, the bullshit of like procrastination. Now, I like how you, you had mentioned it before too about uh, establishing the habits that you do every single day to mm-hmm. allow yourself to focus on the task at hand. And it kind of reminds me like I think um, you might mention it. Was it Jeff Bezos that has the same shirt? Um, Steve, every, uh, John, Steve, Steve Jobs has the same yeah. shirt. And it reminds me because – what I do every day is is I eat the same. Like people think it's it's stupid, but I eat the same shit every single day. Every single day, I have the same breakfast shake in the morning. I have the same whether it's beef or turkey and rice. I have it at twelve. I have it at three. I have dinner at six. I have a shake at nine. Yeah. Every single day, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. And I feel like people. Go, Why do you? Do? I said, well, one, it's healthy. I'm trying to build muscle. This is the way you do it. And two, I don't have to think about it. Exactly. Like, all right, it's twelve o'clock lunchtime. I don't have to think. What am I going to cook for lunch? I go into the fridge. I pull it out. I heat it up. I eat it. Done. It's one less thing that you have to think about throughout the day. It's and it's funny you say that because at where I work, I've been the guy that always have brought lunch. I'm always the guy that brings lunch to work because when you're at work, people people procrastinate for like an hour. Yo, what do you want to eat? What do you want to do? What do you want to do this? You want to go this today? And I'm already working and eating and right. And they're like, oh, we want to go eat. I'm like, it's one o'clock already. You guys are starting eating now. Like I'm done or yeah. I'm done. <laughs> and, that, and that's just a small thing. Like the little habitual things you do every single day. It plays an effect in what you in your daily habits because the re, the reason why people who are successful have habits and it makes sense and mm-hmm. pe- small popular people a small amount of people can grasp that and saying you know I don't want to do the same shit every day you know I, I like to wake up at seven thirty and run around and and have my house a mess and then go to work I'm like I'm like how do you live like that? how do you live like that <laughs> like for, as soon as I wake up I don't leave my house until I know my bed is made so when I come home I'm like at least my bed is made. It looks nice. I don't come home and That's say... That's a book. Make your bed, right? Yes. <laughs> so I don't have to come home and say, look how shitty my bedroom looks. I come home and I'm like, wow, that looks nice. So yeah. it, 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 it's a very, like you said, it's very psychological. And it's a small amount of people that really grasp it. So I can appreciate that. And I like how... Um, I want to go back to one thing that you said because it brought up another a book that I was reading uh, or I read called The Compound Effect. And mm-hmm. you had mentioned about it, having you know, multiple things and dividing your efforts over multiple things is not going to be as successful as if you just focus all of your effort into this one thing, build this up, 
and then you can move on to this thing, build this up, move on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's the same, the compound effect where they talk about small wins every single day compounded over time will amount to a, a massive success. So I feel like if you were to divide up all your your focus to multiple things, it's not going to be as successful as if you were to compound all of your focus onto this one thing. Go make money in this one thing, then all of your efforts go comp because it's it's just math. It's yeah mathematical. If you take you know one percent and you divide it by five different things and let one percent grow every single day, or if you take five percent on one thing and grow every single day. That one five percent thing every single day is gonna exponentially, completely blow everything else out of the water. And I and I think what Armando said, which I completely agree on, and which I know we're both good at, is consistency. Mm. I know we're both in sales, and there are salespeople that are never consistent. And I'm sure you can attest to this. The people who I think are very successful are the people that are consistent with the phone calls, the emails, the follow ups. Meeting this person, meeting that person, and just staying on task. Saying you're going to do something at 1 o'clock and do it at 12.59. I think a huge thing that people miss is being consistent. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people are like, you know what? All right. right." Now, I said I'll do it at 1 o'clock. I'll I'll do it at 1.15. And then it's 1.30. And then it's 1.45. And I think a huge component of just being successful, not even in business, just in life, is being consistent. You have to have that attitude of, I said I'm going to do it, and I have to do it. Because Mm -hmm. then... Because the way I look at it is, if I tell Armando, "Hey, Armando, let's 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 have a call today at six o'clock," and then I, I'm like, "Hey, uh, you know, let's do six ten. I feel personally like, you know, he's disappointed in me. He's he's waiting on me to be at six o'clock. That's why we got on a five fifty nine and got right into it. And it's just, a, I think it's just a mindset that you mm-hmm. have to get into. Yeah, if you want to score points with women, be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Denzel yeah. Washington said it once. He said, "Goals on the road to achievement." Cannot be achieved without discipline and consistency. Yeah, and I'm like, that's absolutely because cons- you know, same thing over and over again. But then the, having the discipline to not stop, to say no, okay, I don't want to do this right now, but I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah, because it's time. So here's what's really cool, right? So in the beginning, it takes discipline, but after you're consistent, it becomes a habit, and habits don't take discipline. Mm. Yeah, does that make sense? Absolutely, like your turkey and rice or what? What on the tree, right? Yeah. So the it takes discipline and then your brain goes oh shit i'm no longer in survival mode so it only takes discipline while we're in survival mode because when we're in survival mode the brain's like wait am i going to be attacked survival like two thousand years ago am i going to be attacked is there a lion coming to get me or do i need to go hunt in the serengeti right so once you go and you do it over and over and over the brain goes oh i'm no longer going to be attacked and i don't have to hunt this becomes so this this is consistent so it becomes a habit once it becomes a habit the habit's formed so I have a friend who's a bodybuilder. Guy's got muscle on top of muscle, right? His muscles fucking have muscles, right? <laughs> and he's about two years younger than me. And I call him, his name's Joel. I call him Swole Joel, right? And uh, he's like, dude, I work out seven minutes a day. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, well, he goes like, I'm in the gym for 20 to 25 minutes, but my actual workout time is seven minutes. He goes, the key, I'm consistent. And his meals are consistent. How, what he drinks is, and it's not boring. He goes, you have to live life. Right? Because he travels all over the world, but his workouts are consistent. His exercise consistent. What he eats is consistent. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's somewhat of a science behind it, but it's no longer hard for him to do. It's actually more difficult for him to undo it. Right. Yes. 
Right. It's already been ingrained into his brain and into his daily same life. Same thing in business, right? The same thing in business. So the same thing happened in business. And, and when you're doing business, it's if you wake up in the morning, here's one thing I teach my students. Wake up in the morning and do what's most productive first. Don't check your emails. Don't like do drama. Wake up and do what's most productive first. Like, oh, yeah, you got to shower, shave, shine, like whatever you can do. If you the gym or meditations first. The first business thing you do, make it what's most productive, not checking your emails, not checking your social media, do what's most important, most productive, what's going to make you the most money. What is that stuff you don't want to do? And if you do that and you build a habit of attacking, attacking what's most productive every day, you're going to make massive progress. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. No, I, I like what you said too before. Um, there's a, a difference between being busy and being productive. Yeah. There's a huge difference. Most people in life, I will, uh, like, all, no bullshit. Most people in life are way busier than me. It's funny. I have some people doing some landscaping outside my house. And the lady, I went to, the, I was um, going to go get my hair cut. And the lady goes, oh, she goes, I, I decided, she decided to get out of your pajamas today, right? And I don't wear my pajamas all the time. <laughs> but about 11 o'clock today, I was in my pajamas, right? Um, she goes, I see you can get out of your pajamas today. I was like, yeah. I said, that happens some days. Now, there's some days I'm up really early, right? But I, have, I, I usually have a pretty consistent time that I wake up. I don't wake up at 11 o'clock. Um, but what she doesn't know and realize is that you can learn to make it look easy. So I go wake up, shower, shave, shine. I got my coffee makers. I have my same breakfast that I do. And I wake up and I do the most productive thing. And, she might, and then I like to make my phone calls walking in my garden. That's where I do my best business on the phone, walking in my garden. Boom. So she just sees me walking in my pajamas, but she doesn't know it's a fresh pair of pajamas. I'm shower shave shine. Yeah. I've done, you know, does that make, does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah. 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 Definitely. But it's a very low stress day, right? Now there's some higher stress days, but by being consistent and building habits, you become like less stressed and the less stressed you are, the more money you're going to make. And this is what the game's about. It's about making as much money as you possibly can because there's so much life to go indulge in. Right? There's so much life to go for to go, you know. Most definitely, I like it a lot. I love it. Now, I love. I, love, I just love what it, I love these conversations. Yeah, these are the best. It's just. It's strictly. There's not one negative thing in the conversation. It's all inspirational, uplifting, speaking life into. Yeah. You know, you're speaking life into us, and I appreciate you taking the time and, and just dumping knowledge on us. We we like to view ourselves as sponges, so I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you taking the time and dumping the knowledge into all of our viewers and listeners because. That's really what we're all about. It's just to try try to speak life into people. Yep. Welcome. Let me now. You have obviously went into business with a lot of people, and you've made a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. What are so like if you're going into if someone's like, hey, I got this idea, I want to collaborate with you, I want to go into business. What are some like attributes or things that you look in people when you're going into business with them? Um, I don't like business partners. So, um, they have to bring something to the table that I don't have, but I, I, I'm not a good business partner. I don't like being in business with people, um, because usually we're, because usually I'm going to do 90% of the work. So that's just straight up, right? So I'm, a, I'm a shitty business partner. Plus I'm really fucking aggressive. So if I'm doing 90% of the work and I feel taken advantage of, then I get real aggressive. Okay. Um, so that's true. But if I'm going to bring people on as like employees or high level executives, 
Number one, I look for character. Number two, I look for intelligence. Number three, I look for energy. Okay. And by the way, number two and three does not matter. And I probably stole it from Warren Buffett or at least hybrid of it. Right. But number two and three don't matter if they don't have number one. If they don't have character, I do not want to deal with people's dishonesty. I do not want to deal with people's bullshit. Does that make sense? Amen to that. 100%. Like, Amen to that. I don't want to deal with that. Right. And I'll just tell you, like, I, I've been, a, I've, I, so when I started business, I started in business to go help people out. I wanted to help people. I, um, look, I started in business helping myself out in real estate. I want to help my family out. Right. That was my big motivation. When I started in seminars, I wanted to help people out. And I've been very open with both of my students. I started helping people out. We became huge. We were the number one infomercial. We we're between number one and number three overall infomercials for like five years running. We we're spending like 14 million a year like doing infomercials, okay? Not including other like platforms. And I got, I made, I was making so much money. I shifted from thinking about my students and the people to just making money, okay? And that felt, I will tell you, pretty shitty, right? So I had brought on a lot of people who had poor character. And those people from poor character will still open the business financially, emotionally, rob you time or rob your employees of their time or try to steal your ideas. Um, and so I disassociated myself from all those people with low character. And I got focused back on helping the people. Okay. So I only hire people, hire people with great character. Um, and you can look at somebody like you can read a book by its cover. And those you can't, it's fucking, they're ignorant, right? You can't read a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. You can look at somebody and look at their eyes and if they're shifty and if they're looking around everywhere, you know, like that person probably doesn't have their shit together. You can watch the behaviors out in public, right? So if you can't read it the first time, you can't watch the behaviors out in public. And if they're doing things that are like disloyal and dishonest, right? And I'll tell you, like, I've been in those categories. I've done those things, right? I have done those things, but I don't want to be in business with those people. So I look at character. Then I want intelligence and I want energy. I love it. Instead character, intelligence, intelligence, energy. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think character would be the biggest thing. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm sure when you're looking for someone, you kind of see at least one or two things inside them that you see inside yourself. Yeah. Right. And all three of those are untrainable. You can't train any of those three. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I won't hire a stupid person. And there are stupid people. Right. Like, I, I'm not going to tell them they're stupid, but I won't hire them. There are unintelligent people. There are people of low character. That doesn't mean they're going to be low character their entire life, but this phase in their life, they may have low character. Mm -hmm. And there's people who either naturally or because of, like, how they eat or how they conduct their lives have low energy. Yeah. I'm, I'm no, big, I 100% I I agree. Character, for for for. I think for all of us, character, I feel like, is, is the, probably the most important quality because it encompasses everything that we were talking about. It encompasses, you know, are you going to do the things that need to be done when you don't want to do them? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be a generous person? Are you going to be kind to people? Are you going to, uh, everything. It, it's all encompassed in character. And mm -hmm. it's funny. I heard somebody say that character is who you are when nobody is watching. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. when, uh, what are you going to do for that person that can do nothing for you? Right. Are you going to be the, kind? The of other hard part about the other hard part guys is about someone with low character. They can't focus on what's productive. Because if they have a ton of shit going on in their life, then they can't focus because they have all this like mental, emotional distractions. So if you give them a very difficult project to go handle, right, unless they're just fucking amped up on cocaine, right, 
they're not going to be able to focus on that product. And I really don't want somebody's anthropococaine for cocaine because there's a bunch of other problems that go with that. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So they're not going to be able to focus on that singular problem because that can be because their emotions are around running rampant. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do this. One of these little numbers right there. Boom. Cool. All right, nice. Awesome. No, absolutely. Character character is I think by and I like you said that number two and three don't matter if you don't have number one. Right? Like it's almost like okay, it's like number one and then it's one A, one B. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. After that you can train somebody to do anything. Yeah. Right. With it within like certain like strings limits or restrictions, right? It's interesting because we we that bring, makes me think about whenever so for the company that I currently work for, we would go to uh, my alma mater, RIT, up in Rochester, New York. We would go there and try to hire new kids to come and work for us. And we meet with hundreds, right? You're at a big career fair. There's thousands of kids, all different majors. We meet with hundreds of kids, three, four hundred kids, right? Yeah. And you know the story is going, right? Yeah. It's and everybody says, well, how do you pick which one like that you select? I said, actually, they make it very simple. I said, everybody that goes to school, if you have a decent GPA, I already know that you know your shit. Okay, already know everyone. Everybody took the same classes. You know your stuff, but I can tell within the first thirty seconds, not even fifteen seconds, if they even have a shot. And they go, "How do you do that?" I said, "Do you look me in the eye? Do you shake my hand firmly? And do you introduce yourself?" Hi, my name is Justin Isaac. Nice to meet you. That and they go, "That's all." I said, "Yeah," because that like right off the bat, I'm not looking for what it says on the paper. It's a highlight rule. Yeah. Everybody's gonna look good on their resume. I'm looking for you as a person. Mm -hmm. Do you look me in the eye? Do you have a genuine conversation with me? Are you a good person? And wow. believe it or not, out of the 300 kids that come up to the booth, maybe 10 of them do that. And then out of those 10, okay, that's oh, all I got. Now you, gotta, now you have a conversation with them. And like you said, are they char a character, intelligence, energy? Do they portray all of that? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, like, like you know, I, I've heard of, like, like you said, like interview tactics finding these people and they say, what do you think of this picture? And they go, it's cool. And another person goes, man, I really like the detail in it. I really like the cigar, the way it's angled, you know, the black, and, you know, and it goes into explanation. You say, all right, this is the person I want to speak to because they have a, they have a mind of their own. You know, the people that yeah. say, oh, it's nice. You know, yeah. it, 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 it speaks okay. volumes, you know Oh, you I mean? got so many kids, they, they give you like the dead fish handshake and they don't even look you in the eye, they're looking down or something. Yeah. I go, Nobody wants to deal with a dud. Nobody wants to deal with a dud. I remember, I remember one of my first job interviews was at going when I was like 16 or 17 at Costco, right? And uh, my dad goes, hey, when you go into the interview, make sure you look them in the eye and you shake their hand firmly. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to Costco. Like, I'm going to work in a warehouse. What? Okay, whatever. So I get in the suit. I go to Costco. Go in the interview room. He goes, hey, how you doing? I go, hey, I'm Eric. Shake his hand. And he goes, wow, nice handshake. And I go, holy shit. That was right. Holy shit, it'll work. <laughs> it actually does work. But, right? And I mean, and, it's the and, simplest thing. And, and it's weird. That's why I say it goes back to a lot of people. A lot, there's a lot of people that don't realize the simple things being consistent, having little habits, shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye, showing up on early, showing up early. Yeah. I was going to say on time. My coach used to say this in college, he says, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on, if you're on time, you're late. If you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. So, um, what else you guys got for me? You got some good stories? 
Well, we wanted to uh, take a a pivot here. Let me let me so okay. let me let me ask this real quick. So the reason that I was actually brought on to you was when, like I said earlier, my fiance's father reached out to you. He says, you know, my son-in-law has a podcast, and you said you have a funny story or a good story about Cuba or a Cuban cigar, some kind of. I said that. Yeah, he he really. I'm probably breaking he what he told me, but he said that oh. you had a funny story about a cigar or something, and that's initially that's what true. caught caught my. Uh, Caught my attention. Do you- okay. Um, so about a year and a half ago, um, I decided I always wanted to go to Cuba, right? I wanted to go. To, I wanted. To, I wanted to drink some rum. I wanted to have some cigars. I wanted to go to Cuba and see the beauty of the island, right? And I wanted to go because it's not legal. So I was like, that'll be fucking kind of cool. Right? <laughs> I wanted to, and I wanted to go before it was legal. So I'll I'll set the scene for you. So I go to Cuba, it's before it's legal. I'm dating uh, Mrs. America at that time, right? And uh, so we go down to Cuba, right? She's a beautiful woman. I will tell you, it's not as beautiful as the one I'm dating right now. They think they overrank them just to touch, you know? <laughs> She's a beautiful girl, but the woman I'm dating right now is much has a head head over heels for her right head over toes for her but um so i go to cuba with this girl and um we go to the um, cigar manufacturer right and there's i think it's like three floors and each floor has got to be like ten thousand feet square feet right and there's just everyone just sitting there hand rolling cigars hand rolling cigars hand rolling cigars and so I said, well, where do you make the Monte Cristo? Like, so what, what factory, where's the Monte Cristo factory? Are they like, oh, they're made over there. I said, well, and then like, where, you know, where's Romeo Juliet? So like, oh, those are over there. I said, what the fuck? He goes, oh, no, no, no. All of the cigars are made here. And they're controlled by the state of Cuba. So the cigars are state owned. Like, I don't know those, right? Yeah. I go, then what's the difference? He goes, the difference is the farmers and the leaves and the soils. Oh, so I don't know those. So then I ask him, hey, will you guys grow like Romeo? Like, we, we guys roll me a cigar. So I rolled me a handmade cigar right there. And it was incredible, right? And so I'm walking around the factory, smoking the cigar. And we're going to leave. And I, I tell, they basically assign you like an adult babysitter to go. <laughs> so you have to go with an adult babysitter. And I said, hey, I said, can you guys give me some cigars? And they're like, yeah. The guy goes, yeah, I'll get you some cigars. Okay, I'll, 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 grab, you some, I'll grab you some cigars. He goes, just go wait in the car. I said, okay. Like, <laughs> what? This is a fucking commissary. Like, can we go with cigars? No. He goes, I need you. He goes, like our adult babysitter goes, I need you to wait. He was very dramatic. I know he talked. Everything was dramatic. I'm like, dude, I'm like, hey, can we go to dinner? He goes, it was like everything was like an, everything was like Antonio Benditas. Like, like you're in a, like in a movie. Like am I being punked right yeah, now? Yeah. I'm like, hey, can we have dinner? And he's like, <laughs> yes, we can. I'm like, okay, dude. You're like everything was everything was super dramatic. With this guy. I'm like, hey, can we get some cigars? He's like, yes. I go, like, can I just go with you? He goes, mm, go through the car. <laughs> like, is it like a commissary? He goes. <laughs> I love it. Wait in the car. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not fucking with you. Right. So we go and we sit in this pink 57 Chevy. Like that's the car we have driving us around convertible. And so we're sitting there talking. Right? Now it's, we're sitting on the cigar factory of Cuba. 
I'm on a pink 57 Chevy with a beautiful woman, right? It's a pretty cool setting. And I see the guy come walking out, right? My guy comes walking out and he comes walking out and he's like crossing the street going. And we're parked across the street. So I walked over there. I go, hey, so where's the cigars? He goes, in a minute. I was like, okay, dude. I see the fucking security guard coming out with a jacket like this. He comes walking across the street, hands the jacket to my guy. They do one of these numbers. I'm like, I'm in the middle of a fucking Cuban drug deal. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on, right? <laughs> like, what's going on? And basically, they smuggle the cigars out of the factory. Wow. Paid off the security guard, paid off the cigar factory worker. And we got, like, I don't know, 60 beautiful handheld, the hand rolled amazing Cuban cigars that gave to my buddies. Smuggled them out of a factory. Wow. (laughs) You're just waiting for Tony Montana to walk around, like, to pull up and, oh, man. It was, it was it was it was pretty epic. It was pretty cool. Now the best part is the you know the I'm sure it's a big security guard. You see this dude walking around like cradling like a baby with the cigars, like <laughs> that's yeah, like in a jacket in Cuba. Like no one wears jackets in Cuba. <laughs> You're probably thinking to yourself like nobody's gonna fucking believe this. Nobody's gonna believe this shit. <laughs> now, I looked at the, I looked at the woman. I go, we're in the middle of a Cuban drug deal right now. Can you see this shit going on? And I, so how'd you, how'd you even get them out of the country at that point? So they actually now allow a certain amount of Cubans. Yes. Right, right. Like Alice, right? So then we just bought some um, American tap, like tags for the cigars, allegedly. Oh, no shit. We just slapped them on. Allegedly, we just put American, like, little stickers on those and wrapped them. That's in the awesome. Now, that's a story See? right there. See? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I got to make sure we get this story because I couldn't remember. It was something about Cuba or something about Cuban cigars. So that is a damn good story. You don't really hear that too often. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. That's Cuba, fantastic. You guys got to go. If you haven't been, you got to go. It's yeah, we you. definitely, yeah, we, we want to make a trip down there. We want to go to Dominican Republic as well. Another very well-known yeah, we're, cigar uh, We're actually in country. the middle of getting our own cigars made down in the DR, so... What a smart move, man! That's smart. You you get some you get some uh, cigars made. I'll promote them on my site. That's 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 smart move. Wow! Thank that. you. Yeah, we appreciate. I'll promote it a whole lot, but I'll promote it for sure. Thank yeah. you so much. No, well, that we'll, we'll be happy to send you some so you can enjoy them. But we appreciate. It. Thank you. That's awesome. I but, take bribes as well. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, these, happy, we'll, we'll, we'll give them to, yeah. we'll give them to you in a, in a jacket. Yeah, we'll come <laughs> down to San Antonio. <laughs> jacket dude boom that's, that's we'll meet at like at a spur like the spurs arena in a jacket with like a box of cigars and we'll just like hand them over to him be like here you go here you go take them take no I'll be, I'll be happy to promote them for sure man thank you so that's much awesome. that's awesome yeah, my pleasure, man. yeah this is great i mean do you have any other cigar stuff that no, you... i mean that's i mean i feel like we got to end it on that story yeah, that's I, an incredible story right there i agree i think that's a good that's good. a good way to end it but um, I appreciate the time, man. Yeah, we appreciate yours. We Thank appreciate you. you coming on. And, you know, at the end of our you know podcast and the episode here, we kind of want to just give you the red carpet to see where people can check you out on your social media, your websites, your businesses. So let it all out. Plug away. I, I don't have anything to plug. I have nothing to sell. They can they if they want to follow me on Instagram. I got crazy shit sometimes and sometimes I've got nothing, <laughs> but they'll like the crazy shit. Right. So it's our, just my name, Armando Montalongo. 
It's funny because I think Monday, I'm considering Monday going to the Dominican Republic. So my girlfriend and I are considering flying out there. Uh, she can get a little time away from work and fly out there for a couple of days. So if we go, I'm going to hit you guys up for names of cigars. Absolutely. You, you will find plenty of cigar manufacturers and factories down there. And they oh, will yeah. be happy. So if we can't get away, we're just going to hit some local wine country here. But yeah, I will do that for sure. Okay. Awesome. But my name is Adamondo Montalongo. Follow, follow me and um, um, we'll put some fun stuff up, some good travel stuff. Okay. Let's do it. Well, thank you very much, Armando. If anybody wants to just hit me up and ask me business tips, I'm happy to, uh, either myself or my team. But a lot of times I'm on there and I'll respond to business tips because I, I actually love sharing business knowledge with people. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Well, clearly, Point, point taken right here. Yeah. <laughs> Gave us a lot of business business points on the podcast here. So we appreciate it. So right, thanks for having me on, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Okay. Armando, Cheers. thank you for your time, my man. Cheers. Salute. Thanks.